good to be here with you guys, to be here with family and just worship God. I just want to encourage you. Um, this past week, I just seen uh, God just open the doors for discipleship with some of the youth in the youth group. And in the beginning, the doors were closed. But um, just being diligent and praying and trusting God that um, he will open the doors and he has done so. So I just want to praise God for that because he desires uh, to connect with uh, all people, you know, young and old. And he desires to just have all their lives. So um, just in the light of that, I want to share the scripture verse, 1 John 5:14. This is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that um, as your Holy Spirit changes our hearts, uh, desires, God, to align with yours, I pray that we would ask for things, God, we wouldn't be afraid to ask from you, God, because you are faithful, Lord, and you are a good father to us. So I thank you, Lord. Um, for just always providing, God, and answering our prayers, Lord. And I pray that uh, we continue to do so as one body, God. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.
Can you get more microphone on me? Gentlemen, this next song we're going to sing is called Relentless. I know sometimes in our own walk with the Lord, sometimes we get in a place where we're stuck. Ever feel like that sometimes? Then, man, when you first gave your life to the Lord, man, it was passion. It was on fire. And the following months afterwards, you were just, every time you prayed, you felt the Holy Spirit just come over you. It's like, Wow. You could be in a restaurant, you can be in your home, you can be in church. And when you prayed and you lift your hands to the Lord, you felt the presence of the Lord and you knew God was there. But sometimes we get in a rut and sometimes we, we base it off the goosebumps and we think like, man, you know what, it's just not the same anymore. Ever feel like that? Come on, I admit it. Singing worship, sometimes, man, something was off. But you have to know something about the Lord. You have to know something about God that he doesn't relent. So you can settle in your mind this, this afternoon that it's not on God's end. Amen? It's not on God's end. God is chasing after you. He doesn't relent. And so I just want us to close our eyes this afternoon to just get away from all the distractions that are there. And I want us to press in and worship God. And I want you to lift your voice. If all you can say is say Jesus, come on and say his name. Say Jesus. Come on and say his name. Lord, we press in this afternoon as a body of believers to lift you up because you're worthy, God. Of all our praise, of all our adoration, there is none like you, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin. Come on, if there's sin in this place, if there's sin in your life, I have good news for you. Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again. You're worthy of our 
salvation. Salvation sounds a new beginning. As innocent hearts begin believing. Well, redemption's been. Redemption's been as Love is relentless. Love is relentless. Jesus. 
Say it's more. You really do want more. you're in this place. We thank you that your Holy Spirit's with us. Before we sing this next song forever, I want you to have a quiet time with the Lord. We do different things here at the church so that we just get rid of every distraction so we don't be discouraged if our neighbor's not worshiping, right? Your worship shouldn't be dependent on somebody else's worship this morning. It's between you and the Lord because he's worthy. Come on. So all eyes close in this place. Jesus, you are worthy of all our praise and adoration. We'll just have a couple moments before the Lord here.
Savior of the world was fallen. His body on a cross, his blood poured out for us. The way of
Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, because you are here. Thank you because there's people in this room that you are drawing. Father, people who were once so far away, but you still love them and you care for them and you're desiring salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, a few more seconds just between you and the Lord. Close your eyes if you have to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are good. There's no one like you. There's none that can com compare to you in all the earth. There's nothing that we can compare you to. You are the king of glory. You are the king of glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you because you knew this day was to come, dear God. Every day before us has been ordained, and you know the, the people present here today. I pray that if any person is far from you, today will be the day of their salvation. I pray for your word to penetrate deep within their heart, that you would awaken the hearts of your people. For every disciple here, dear God, I pray that we would be stirred up in our faith. We will continue growing closer and closer to you. We give you the honor and the praise. Have your way with the service in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, give them some praise one last time. Thank you so much for joining with us. Please have a seat. My name is Pastor Griselda. I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning, um, this afternoon, right? It's 1.30 already. I keep saying morning. So good to be here in the house of God with many of you. Um, I'm stepping in for Pastor Nancy. She is out, actually, her and Pastor Joe and the family were in an accident last night, and so we were just praising God because they're okay. Nancy suffered uh, an injury, a broken ankle, and so she's in the hospital right now. Pastor Joe is with us, so I just want to encourage each and every one of us to keep them in our prayers, um, to just cover them in prayer. As, you know, they're always there for us, serving us in so many ways, and I just want to just put that out there. Let's pray for our pastors during this time. Amen? So what I want to do right now is preach the gospel to you. I have a scripture up here if you want to turn in your Bible with us. It's Acts 13, 38 through 39. It says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Amen. So this morning, my friends, I want to remind you that the forgiveness of sins is found in nobody else but Jesus. Each and every one of us in this room has gone astray. We all have sin. That if we don't deal with it here on this earth between us and Jesus, one day we will stand before the Father and be held accountable for that sin. So if you would just search your heart and just ask yourself, how am I with the Lord? What have I done that would keep me? From Jesus, if you, we were all honest, we would say we've all sinned, and we all fall short of that glory. We all fall, fall short of meeting the standard that God has for us. But Jesus came, gave his life for us as a sacrifice for our sins, that when we put our faith in him, we have forgiveness of sin. When the Father looks at us, he no longer sees the sin, but he sees the righteousness of Christ that clothes us. Amen? And there's not one sin that cannot be forgiven. Maybe you look at me this morning and say, well, God can forgive you, but you don't know the sin that I have in my heart. And let me tell you something. I don't have to know, but he knows. 
And he says that every sin will be washed away when you come and you humble yourself and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you want to know what happens in that instance? You are born again. He gives you new life, and you're not the same ever again. He gives you a new mind. He gives you new eyes. He gives you a new heart. He transforms you from the inside out. So today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're not living for Christ, let today be the day of your salvation. Today. Not tomorrow, not next week, because they're not promised. God has given you an opportunity today to turn to him and be set free from that sin. Every person who draws near to him shall be saved. Amen? So why don't you please stand up to your feet with me. I just want to pray. If that's you and you're saying, I want to live for Jesus, I want to be born again and have eternal life. We're going to have some prayer workers right over here to my right. During our time of fellowship, I invite you to come up, talk with them, and they will pray with you, help you get connected on your journey of becoming the disciple that God wants you to be. So let's pray right now. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace and, and the love that covers over the multitude of sins, dear God. I pray that if in, in this room this afternoon... There's someone who does not know you, who does not have eternal life. I pray that they would come to you, humble themselves, and receive you as Lord and Savior. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would tug at that heart, that that heart would be unsettled in knowing that you're the one doing it. They would surrender their life to you. And I pray for the disciples in this room that we would arise and be the men and women of God you've called us to be, to stand for truth, to defend the truth, and to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Why don't you give the Lord one more hand? He is so good. You know what? If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Because I was in one, at one point in my life, I didn't know Jesus. I was 21 and I thought I was okay. And I was not. I was living a, self, a selfish life, and I didn't know him, and he knew me by name. He encountered me. He grabbed me, shook me up with his word, and I surrendered my life, and I was never the same again. Amen? So right now what we're going to do is we're going to recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. We recite this every week, and this is what we stand on. So we're going to recite it together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Why don't you take this time to greet your neighbor, meet somebody new. If you need prayer, please come up here. Our prayer workers are here for you.
All right, welcome, welcome once again. Good to have you guys here. Are you guys excited to be in the house of God? I can't hear you. You guys got to talk. You guys got to get excited to be in the house of God. Are you excited to be in the house of God? Come on. God is good, isn't he? Amen. If you didn't catch it the first time, again, my name is Pastor Griselda. Good to have you here. Just want to bring you some announcements right now. Every Sunday we have service at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. We always have child care provided. Every Friday at 7 p.m. we have our Elevate Youth service for uh, teenagers 11 to 18 years. So Elevate, come on. It's a powerful ministry going out and just inviting the youth to come join us. Here's an announcement for uh, you guys. This Thursday, we have our annual Thanksgiving outreach. If you've never been out to it, it's beautiful. It's a powerful time. We come together. We join the Universal uh, Mission Baptist Church every year. So meet here at 930 if you want to join with us. And what we do is we go out, we bring, invite the community to join with us, it, uh, invite them to come in and eat, we feed the community, and then uh, after you're done evangelizing, you come back and you're welcome to eat as well. The beautiful thing, it's so early on in the day that you guys can join with us and then still have time for your family. So if you've never been out, talk to me if you need more information. So that's the first one. The next one is our December uh, service, our, our Christmas service. It's going to be held December 20th. It's going to be very exciting and powerful. It's, it's This year we called it a tribute to the king. And what happens is that we are invite all of the people in the church who are in 201 and up, elders and deacons, to display their talent for the king. So people are going to come up here. We're going to have a talent show. They're going to sing. They're going to do whatever they do, but they're going to do it for Jesus. It's always a powerful time. And so these holiday times, when we have these services, Easter, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, beautiful time to invite family members uh, and friends who don't know Christ because it's an opportunity for them to hear the gospel, for them to understand it and be saved. So don't forget, it's December 20th at 10 to 3. And right there it says auditions for 201ers and up will be held December 6th. So again, if you need more information on these uh, events, talk to me. I'll give you more information. There's also an event page on Facebook that we want you can go ahead and hit going so that we know to expect you here. Amen. And so our vision here is to love God and to love people. Everything we do falls under this category. And the way that we do that here, we have a discipleship strategy. We connect, mentor, and send. First, we want to make sure you're connected to Jesus, right? Because it's all about him. Then we want to make sure you get connected to life groups. So pull out your handout. There it is. Okay. Turn it around. You're going to see every single life group that we have to offer at the church. We have something for everyone. We have the ki King's Kids. We have a gang outreach, Bible studies, evangelisms. We got something for you. So make sure to get connected. This is where you're going to grow in relationship, where you're going to be able to ask questions to things you may not know. Um, but then also, here's what's going on this week. Today, we have our Single Moms Life Group happening at 5 p.m. It's going to be powerful. Please talk to Pastor Lauren. Raise your hand. Please talk to her if you want more information. If you yourself are a single mom or you have friends who are, she can uh, give you all the info for that. And then Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Ministry Infant to 11 years of age meeting here at 6.30. Thursday, we have our gang outreach, 18 years and up as well. You meet at that location, 1320 North Laurel, and they go out and they preach the gospel, literally looking for people who are in gangs, bringing the word of God to them. 
and very powerful, fruitful ministry. Then we have the Bible studies happening at the Govea's house, which is my house, and the Walker's Bible study, 18 years and up. Come join us every Friday at 7 p.m. And then lastly, we have evangelism for all ages, 5 p.m., me here at the church. Go out and bring the good news. Amen? Are you guys excited for what's going on at MPI? I mean, God is doing big things. He really is, but we want you guys to join in the fun. And so after you're connected, we want to make sure that you get mentored. Somebody wants to teach you about Christ. They want to walk with you through this step. And so you go through the one-on-one -on -one book, and it's giving you basic teachings, fundamentals about the Christian faith. You're able to build relationship with that mentor so they can encourage you and spur you on to good things. After you're done with that, you go on into the two-on-one class. This is disciples making disciples because we want you to become the leader God wants you to be, okay? It's not just about the pastor. It's about you. Point to yourself. Say it's about me. God wants to use me. Yes. Yep. So you can't hide because God knows you by name and he has a call for your life. So get connected. Get mentored because lastly, we want to send you out. Somebody go like this. Send you out. Okay? So when you go home, you're going to remember this. Send you out. Because you can't stay, okay? God wants to send you out to impact people around you. You have to go. It's just the Christian life. He impacts you so that you can go forth and share him with others. Amen? And we have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. If you believe God can do it, come on, say amen. All right, now it's time to get into our tithes and offering lesson. We're actually going through hindrances. What? Uh, different types of hindrances that can happen when, when you're being faithful to God in your giving. So today we're on Lesson 5, Overcoming Fatigue. There we go. Please open with me in your Bibles to Galatians 6, 9. There it is. Okay. So what is a hindrance? A hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. It could be many things, but today we're talking about being fatigued. And so Galatians 6, 9 tells us, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen? And so what are the main points we can take away from this regarding our finances and our, and our giving to God? Number one, it says, are you getting tired of doing good? The Bible is clear that not only are we to not give up doing good, but we are never to allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. It is not enough to just serve God out of obligation. God wants your service to him to come from a heart of joy. Amen? So, you know, sometimes you, you can be faithful to God, and after a certain point, you're just doing it ju just out of a religious habit or just because you have to do it. But God sees the heart, and he wants us to be cheerful givers, cheerful as we are obedient to him. You know, and I don't know if many of you have children here, but you know when your child does what you want him to do, but he's doing it kicking and screaming. That doesn't feel good to, uh, to a parent. So it's the same thing for God. He wants us to be faithful, obedient, but also cheerful as we do what he's called us to do. Number two, it says, do you doubt God's timing? Impatience is a form of pride because we want God to do things our way in our timing. However true, faith trusts God even when you don't understand his ways. Remember, God's blessings may not come when you want them to, but they're always on time. Amen? I think so many times we give up right before we see our breakthrough. You know, it's just right around the corner, but we get so impatient, you know, almost like a child that doesn't get it when they want it, you know? Whatever it is that you're looking for, and it's not okay. We have to be patient. 
especially if you trust and believe God's word, you know something's about to break loose. And then lastly, number three, it says, do you think your harvest is not coming? Fatigue and weariness sets in when you lose sight of God's promises. It happens when all you see is your sacrifices and not the heart of God for your life. Don't allow your present circumstances to dictate your identity. Praise God and be faithful at all times in sowing and reaping. Amen? Through your season of being obedient to him, don't just focus on your actions, but keep your eyes focused on him. Because in doing so, you're going to continue being faithful to him in your sowing and reaping. So in summary, make the joyful choice to not become tired in serving God with your finances. If you're saying, wow, I want to do this. I want to be faithful to God in my finances, then number one, start by being faithful in giving your tithes. That's 10% of your total income. And offerings, anything you give after your tithe. Number two, repent if you've allowed yourself to become tired and impatient in your giving. And lastly, ask God to give you his strength and joy to never grow weary or give up. Amen. Please stand to your feet. We're going to recite this confession over ourselves, over our, our giving to the Lord. On the count of three, one, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Amen. Here at MPI, we have, and in your giving, it's still 10% of your total income. That's your tithe. Anything you give after that, it's the missions or building offering. You can choose which one you want your offering to go to. And we also have made it easy for your giving. If you want to give online or with your credit card, you can talk to myself and you, we, we, I can help you in that direction. Also, if you wanted to purchase books or t-shirts, hoodies, talk to myself and I can hook you up. All right? And so let's recite this scripture together. Luke 6:38. Jesus himself said, give and it will be given to you for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you because you've been faithful to us. Lord, we lack no good thing in this place. Thank you because all the, because the bills get paid. Thank you because we have a roof over our heads. You got food on the table. We thank you for those blessings because we know that they come from you. Now I pray for favor over your people. Dear God, anyone struggling in their finances, we pray for open doors of employment. Father, we pray for wisdom on how to handle debt. And, uh, and we pray for faithfulness, dear God, for those who may be growing weary in doing good. In Jesus' name, have your way, Lord. We thank you. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you so much, and come up as you give. I'm coming back to the start where you found me. I'm coming back to your heart. I surrender. Take me. This is all I can
you believe God is a good God, can I hear amen? Amen. Um, go to the prayer page and put up the scene of the accident. My wife and I were in a uh, very bad accident last night. Both cars were totaled. I actually made a diagram to show it. And, you know, these are the kind of moments that God really speaks to your heart. And you get to remember what it's all about, put you right in focus. And there's so many things that happen that I want to share with you and tie it into this message that I think uh, will be good for us. But basically, we were coming home from visiting Lauren um, and her son's birthday party. And as we were driving, Nancy and I literally were talking about this message that I'm going to preach today and the message I preached last week. If you missed it, you need to go back and check it out, which is trusting the gardener. And we're in a series in John 15, learning about how God places us in the vineyard of his creation where his grapefruit, not great, but grapes that are fruit coming out of the vine. And he's trimming us and pruning us. And sometimes we feel we're all alone. Who's watching over us? What's going on? And I was talking about that as I ran through this intersection. I'm in the right-of-way. This guy, as we, you can find it on the prayer page. You're getting it up there. Thank you. He did not know that traffic was crossing in front of him. He ran the red light and literally hit us. He was probably going about 40 to 45. Thankfully, we were coming out of one of these speed traps in Barrington, only about 25, 30. But Nancy saw it. She screamed head on, poof, you know, the, the, ex the explosion of the airbags. Uh, I'm instantly, yeah, if you can just zoom it out a little bit. So we're, we're just cruising right down this road, and he's coming from, he's coming from this way, and uh, he doesn't see, if I can get the mouse over here, he doesn't see that, first of all, he's supposed to stop, but over the, his lights are not right here. His lights are like way over here somewhere. Or, oh, no, no, you know, yeah, they're right here, they're right here, but he's way over here, so they're far, and they're, like, to his side. He was a nice guy. He didn't mean it. This just goes to show you that bad things happen to good people on both sides. This guy was not familiar with the area either, and so he's just thinking he's driving because cars are passing him on the right. He doesn't see up in his left side there's supposed to be, a, you know, a red light there. So he's just cruising, boom, coming across here, and I'm just going straight, and so Nancy sees it. He's not stopping. He's not stopping. And then I put on the brakes and uh, just that explosion, the airbags. And the moment I, I grab a hold of the steering wheel and I'm like, I'm okay. Sound off. Is everybody okay? And Nancy is screaming at the top of her lungs. And this is like the worst feeling ever for a husband, you know. Thankfully, all four of my kids were okay. And she was going to go by herself that day. She was going to go by herself. I said, but no, let me shovel the driveway and I'll take you. You know what I'm saying? So she's screaming. And this is where it gets a little funny because she's like, my leg, I'm going to lose my leg. That's what she's saying because she's just freaking out. You got to love my wife. I'm going to lose my leg. And so I jump out the car and I take off my shirt, okay. So... It's in the middle of the night. It's the middle of winter. I go shirtless because I'm thinking I'm in Nam. Helicopter coming down. I got to go do a tourniquet. So I run over there shirtless, and I'm about ready to wrap up her leg. And then I see that she's got she's sitting back in the position, you know, like this, holding her leg up. And so now I know. I'm like, okay, all of this is good. So I instantly felt a peace. But then she said, my, my ankle is just mush, you know. So I'm checking that out, and then my kids are okay. And thank Thankfully, just God worked out everything for the good. Somebody was a witness, so they saw this. So our insurance is going to.
to take care of this and everything. And then they were a nice enough couple that they came out and started counseling my kids because my kids are screaming, Nancy is screaming, I'm shirtless, and uh, we're trying to understand what's going on, okay? And, and you just, you know, you just got to understand, like, I'm intense, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, like, in go mode, and I'm so high on adrenaline, I don't know what's going on. And, and then, so we end up having to go to the hospital. Both of the cars are totaled, and uh, then we now find out that she has to spend the night. I take the kids home. Uh, I asked her, I said, what should I do this morning? Because the doctor was going to come in early and do surgery. And she said, why don't you just go to church? You know, because I was thinking, I think I should go to church. I, I don't know what I can do here. I think I'll, you know, not, not be a lot of help here. But I can go to church and I can share this and we can pray for you. And then I can come and see you after the doctor came in the morning. And so what he did is he came in the morning and he put in the surgical stints because it's broken in three places. And now she has to go home on bed rest for one to three weeks as it stops swelling so she'll get out tomorrow and then they have to do a three to six hour surgery which will put her out for three to four months and we're a homeschooling family with four kids six five uh, three and one so you got to pray for us we've lost our vehicle this guy lost his vehicle we got to figure out how to do all of this and I'm talking to the insurance and so it should be fine but we know that this is like uh, inconvenience in life right now we we think about this and I'm like man you know this is an inconvenience in life this thinking makes me upset and I'm like dealing with all this and then I'm like stopping myself going man I, we're all alive like we're all alive praise God because I didn't have to be here today isn't that just mind-blowing for all of us here I mean life can change that quickly life can change for us that quickly I was literally with the Sienskis and their uh, her father-in-law is dealing with a uh, an issue and I was saying man we're praying for you I'm hugging and loving on them and while I was there I literally told him I said but no one's even promised tomorrow even though you're battling something I may not even make it home tonight I remember telling him that so I'm telling him that then on the way while we're driving I'm talking to my wife about this message and the last week's message and that's why I felt I had to be here because not only is church an organization called Metro Praise International but it's an organism the body of Christ I get healing being here and uh, if my wife didn't want me to be here I would have been home you know I'll be wherever she want me to be I'll be planting a garden in the middle of winter if that's what she wanted me right now she's like plant me roses you know I'd be out there just shoveling snow planting a rose bush right there but you know th she was just like go because there's nothing you can do here they literally have her sedated she's in a hospital obviously she's safe you know because you would not want me taking care of you you would not we have caretakers in the church let me just tell you if, if if we ever have like a fallout and we all have to start living in communes I will not be the nurse of the community okay and I would not be the the builder of the community because both of those and by the way this is kind of unique builders mechanics and nurses all have gifts with their hands you know they're all building and doing different things and I don't have any of those gifts this is where my gift is right here this is what I'll do I'll just like sit down while y'all working and I'll just be like talking right here but thank God for caregivers thank God for firefighters policemen nurses just amazing I just I love the world right now like I just see it in a whole different light so I hope that encourages you to love the one you're with right now get all things right in your life you never promise tomorrow my sister died tragically drinking and driving about 10 years ago and it, it happens man just you just never know and it's just it just showed me it doesn't even have to be your fault like 
I'm just driving. He runs the red light. I mean, you could just imagine. I don't want to go too far and scare myself, but uh, he could have been going faster, knocked over the van, you know what I'm saying, hit it from the side where Lucas was. I'll start crying right now if I think about that. I can't, I can't. But you just got to be thankful, guys, that we're alive today. Make the most of your life, okay? And that's why you're in church today. Let's pray. Father, I lift up to you my wife who I know is just coming uh, out of the surgery right now. I just got the report from my sister-in-law, God. And, Lord, I'm going to be there for the rest of the day. Uh, Lord, we just ask you to be with her. We thank you for the doctor that I spoke to that had wisdom and understanding of what to do, Lord. And now we just pray you comfort my children, that they'll have no traumatic experiences from this, Lord, that they will have a peaceful mind when they get back into a car or, or see the snow or just anything, God. They'll be at peace. And, Lord, I just pray for your strength upon my life as they're leaning upon me, that I'll lean upon you and find strength in you. And I just, uh, Lord, am so thankful to be alive today. Thank you for a day uh, to like today, to be alive, to share this moment with my friends here. And I pray that we'll all learn more about you in this uh, scripture that you gave me and this, this sermon. May it be real to us today, Father, abiding in the words of Jesus, because it's in his name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 15. I'm telling you, man, I feel some healing in this place. How many feel Jesus here today? Amen. I'm just so glad that you're here. If this is your first time visiting, we want to welcome you. We're excited. And um, yeah, just live life to the fullest. Live it for God. We're in a series called Abide, and as we're learning about abiding, we're looking at this parable, uh, really an allegory that Jesus taught about him being the vine, us being the branches, and bearing much fruit. And today's message is called Abiding in Jesus' Words. And as I said, last week we talked about the gardener, and if you were there last week, you're going to tie this in today. And if you weren't, go back and listen to it online if you feel like you're missing any of the pieces. But the bottom line is we're going to really get into how do we live at peace in a world gone crazy? How do we trust God? How do we set our mind at ease? I'm going to be getting into some key practical steps today, scripture memorization and spiritual meditation. Everybody go, ooh. And to be a spiritual meditationist, if that's even a word, you don't have to wear yoga pants and become a vegan, okay? You can love eating meat, you can wear whatever pants you like, and you can still spiritually meditate. So I want to teach you that today. If you're in John 15, verse 1, can I hear you say, I'm there? Thank you. Let's say abide together. Everybody say abide. Thank you. And whenever you see it come up in this passage, shout it out. Everybody say abide. Thank you. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide. Thank you in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, neither can you unless you abide in me. You all doing awesome. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire where they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. There's the context for today. You will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear how much fruit? Much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. Amen. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. 
Abide in my love. That's what's up. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Thank you. Ten times Jesus said the word abide. Don't you think we should get the point by now? We need to abide in Jesus. This is the example he's given. If you lived in that time of Israel, you understood what a vineyard looked like. There are big old vines that come out from the ground. They get around bushes or trees or fences, and they start to produce these branches, and from these branches come leaves and fruit. Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the life source here. You are the branch coming from me, getting all the good that I have, and then in life you'll bear good fruit that will be used for my purposes. What did they use um, grapes for back then? They used it for the juice and for the wine. Amen. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Had a lot of purposes for that. And, uh, you know, that's what Jesus is saying here. We talked last week about Jesus saying the Father is the gardener. So sometimes in life it gets scary. You're driving down the road from a birthday party and you get hit at 40 miles an hour. Where's the gardener? Last week we learned the gardener's there. He's in the vineyard and he's taking care of us. And whatever bad happens to us, God is using it to bring good through us or through that situation. Good comes from our bad. I so wish I could recap all of that today. I just can't. But as mind-blowing as it seems, all evil in this world is turned for God's good. It all is turned for God's good. Let me just tell you like this. I'll just go, I'll just go there right now. If I would have died and my entire family would have died last night, God still would be good this morning and he would use it for his good. You know why? Because all of y'all would know life is short. Bad things can happen to good people. I better get ready to meet Jesus. And here's the thing. I know if that happened to my family, we're all in heaven having a Holy Ghost party. Amen. I'm not saying it makes it easy for the people that are here. I'm saying all evil in this world, everything that Hitler did, you know what it did? It showed the world what evil looks like. Now when we say Hitler, you go bad, evil, don't want that. Jews are cool people, shouldn't be treated like that. All evil points us back to a good God. If we don't have a definition of a good God, we would never know what evil was, okay? So I just had to get into that. So this is the the thing that we're going to get into today is how do we now trust the gardener, know the gardener's heart for us, know the Father here, and abide in that vine because everything in the vine goes to the branches, right? So if there's life in that vine, it goes into the branches. If there's bad in that vine, it goes to the branches. But we're in a good vine called Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. So how do we get all the good to come from Jesus into our life and manifest good fruit, trusting God in all of our situations. Well, that's why there's a message today. Everybody say, abide in his words. Now think about it like this. If I was to ask you a question, how much of the word of God do you know and to recite of memory from right now, writing it down or just speaking it out, how much would you be able to do? A verse, two verses, maybe everybody here would say, I know John 3, 16, I know this verse and that verse. How much do you think you would know? Because this is what Jesus is talking about. He said, abide in my words. Now, if you don't know his words, how can you abide in them? If you don't understand what you're reading, how can you abide in them? So Jesus is telling us something so practical here that we literally have to study his word and learn his word to be able to abide in his word. Now, you may say, Pastor, that's hard. But I'll say, no, it's not, because anything you're passionate about in life, you can tell me about. So if I said, hey, man, how many Bulls fans we got in the house today? People start saying, oh, yeah. And then if I said, tell me the stats on this guy or what's going on over here or how many music fans we got in the house, how many people know about this album, that album, you would tell me that not only your favorite artist, 
your favorite album, you would sing the whole song. Are you guys tracking with me? And if I said, how many cooks do we have up in the house? Everybody would tell me their favorite food, their favorite recipe, all of these things. Are you tracking with me? So once again, what's your favorite Bible verse? Which is the verse that you quote to yourself when you're sad? What is the thing you look to when you're being attacked in life by the devil or being down? What is the, the scriptural basis for the prayers that you're praying right now? What scripture do you use to ask God to bless you in your business? What scriptures are you using to ask God to bless you on your family? Hello, somebody. Did you all just read this with me? Somebody say abide. Come on, what did he just say there in verse 7? If you abide in me and my what? My words abide in you. How else can you have an abiding presence in God's words unless you learn them? So I want to give you seven reasons why you should learn the scriptures, memorize the scriptures, and then I want to do a practical spiritual meditation with you here today that Christians have been doing ever since the time of Jesus and even before the time of Jesus in the time of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I hear an amen? Let me give you the first one. Increase faith. When you learn the word of God, your faith is going to increase. Let's turn to Romans 10, 17. And if you don't um, have a Bible or don't want to turn to it, you can look up here because I'm going to be going fast. Look at this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Let me ask you a question. What messages are you hearing in your mind every day? How many of you think every day? That's about the same result I got in the first service. What are the rest of you guys doing every day? Let's just start again. How many of you guys have a brain? How many of you guys use your brain? Okay. No, this is listen to it. It's not a trick question. It's really a pretty easy one. How many of you guys think every day? Okay. Thank you. Now, what we call that is self-talk. What is the conversation like between you, yourself, and I? What is that conversation like? Do you know what they say, a psychologist, that most self-talk is negative talk? Let's just start from the morning. You get up, oh, man, my back hurts. Oh, it's, I didn't get enough sleep. Instantly, negative self-talk, right? Then you look at the mirror. Oh, what's going on there? Whoo, you know what I'm saying? I actually woke up one day. My hair was everywhere. I took a picture. I was so close to putting it up, and I was like, this is what a pastor looks like on Monday morning, you know, or something. And my wife's like, no, don't put it up. That will scare the niños and niñas. So literally, my wife had to, like, like tell me, do not put that picture up of you because it looks so scary. But like negative self-talk, right? Then you go downstairs. Oh, man, I, I don't have time to eat the breakfast that I want. Oh, okay, I'll just make this toast. Oh, I burned the toast. Oh, I'm in traffic now. Oh, this person doesn't know how to drive. What's wrong with them? You show up to work. Oh, this person didn't do what they said they were going to do. Or this customer messed up. Do you understand? They say most of the time we're talking negative self-talk. But what does the Bible teach us? That if we hear the message of Christ, our faith increases. So if you're saying today, Pastor, I want to have faith for my family to be a good family. I want to have faith to prosper in what I'm doing. You need to change your self-talk from what you're thinking to what God is thinking and start hearing the message of Christ in your heart. So how about this? What if you just memorize this simple scripture right here? I am wonderfully and fearfully made. Amen? And so if you just woke up in the morning and you looked in the mirror and say, I am wonderfully and fearfully made, praise God. Or if you got up and you started feeling those backs, uh, those backaches, what if you just memorized this portion of the scripture? Today is the Lord's day and I will rejoice in it and be glad. 
I wonder if that would start to change the way you walk to work or got your, your commute. It might put a pep in your step, right? It might change the way your frown is and turn it upside down to a smile. And you may say, Pastor, that just sounds like we're just, you know, just trying to talk ourselves into something. No, we're believing what God said about us. We're not just looking at ourselves saying, everybody loves me. Look how handsome I am. I'm going to make a million dollars today. Yes, you are. Oh, no, really, me. Yes, you are. You're like, you're looking in the mirror. No, what you're saying is what God says. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Today is God's day. Did you make a day? Do you have a day that in your pocket you can show me right now, paint it red and sell it for 99 cents at dollar and below store? No, you don't have days. You don't make life. You didn't do this. God did. Start memorizing scripture about that. How about on your way to work? You say, today I will prosper in all that I put my hand to do. When people start giving you an attitude, what if you just remember the scripture? It says, do unto others as I would want done unto me. What if as you're beginning to, you know, make some decisions, you meditated, I will not lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge God. Lord, what is the way to handle this situation? Do you see how faith would arise in your heart if you turn from self-talk to the scripture, to the word of Christ in your heart? It would start here, you would hear it, and it would start building faith in you. How many believe God to do that? That's what he said. Amen. I believe it. Now let's go to number two, freedom from sin. How many had enough with sin? Y'all done with sin or y'all still want to hang out with sin a little bit? You still dating sin on the side? Calling up sin for a little booty call? What's going on, sin? What's going on? Shh, don't tell nobody. Come on, you and sin hanging out, making compromises? I'll do a little bit of this, you do a little bit of that. No, sin should be hated. We should hate sin. Sin is evil. Sin breaks the life of God. It breaks the covenant that we have with the Lord. You look at Psalms 119.1, the whole entire passage is about loving God and doing all these wonderful things. But look at what he says right here. Look at what he says in uh, verse 5. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame whenever I consider your commands. How many sometimes you hear the commands of God and you feel a little embarrassed, you're a little ashamed. How about this one, guys? Don't look at pornography. Does that make you feel a little embarrassed, a little ashamed? Because you might be giving into that. How about we're not always pick on just the guys, lust of the flesh? How about ladies, lust of the eyes? How about all those shoes you have? Do you ever buy shoes out of the lust instead of out of need? Hello, it may get quiet when I talk like that, but I'll keep going. See, a guy pops up. When a guy's online and it pops up, bigbooty.com. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, bigbooty.com. You know what I'm saying? But, but, that, but, that, but that, has a, that has a relative flip side for a lady. Shoesale.com. Oh, no, Jesus. Oh, no, Jesus. The stilettos, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Ah, Hello, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the greeds of our life. God said he would meet our needs, not our greeds. Hello. And, you know, and, and it was just, this is, boom, bringing shame to us because now we feel embarrassed. We feel embarrassed. Man, I shouldn't have spent all that money. I shouldn't have did all that. Look what he says. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn, as I what? As I learn your righteous laws. Somebody say, you got to learn them. Man, you got to learn the laws of the Lord. You got to understand them, study them, apply them, enjoy them. Man, man look, he says, I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Now, look at this. I love this when I was a young man, and I'm still, you know, a young man in a lot of ways. I hope I never lose this. Look at this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity or for any of us? By living according to your word. Look at verse 10. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And here's the secret. In verse 11, I have what? I have 
hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How many of you have started reading the Bible and then when you wanted to sin like you used to, the word of God came to your memory? Your memory's like, boom, don't do that. You know where this goes. You know how this feels. You know the shame this brings, right? And so what do we do? We hide the word of God in our heart. And so what if every temptation you had, you learned a scripture and started to combat that temptation with the scripture? So when, you know, these lusts of the flesh would come, you would say, you know what? The Bible says not to love this world or anything in this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the boastful pride of life. But that's going to disappear. But I should love the Father whose love endures forever. So that's 1 John chapter 2. Hello, somebody. So I'm not going to love the world. I'm going to love the Father. If I'm full of God, I won't have room to be filled with anything else. Praise God. That's a, that's a benefit from the memory of Scripture. How about a sound mind? Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You know, today more people are dealing with anxiety, depression, all of these things, especially, you know, just like in the situation I, I went through. You get in a car accident. You don't think that's a little sketchy now wanting to drive again? And, and you, can, you can mess with yourself so much, man. Like, I, I was even battling this. I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know what? Uh, if, if I would have took this way instead of that way, we wouldn't have been there at that time. Because after we went and saw you, we went to GameStop to get this game, uh, this exchange game, whatever thing for the Wii. And I was going to go to Woodfield, but then I saw one on the way home to you. And I was like, I was like man, if I would have went to Woodfield, I would have never went to this one by her house and gone down that way. And then all of a sudden you're like, well... I told my wife earlier that day, maybe we shouldn't go because of the weather. And like I said, she wasn't gonna, uh, was going to go by herself. And I said, let me go with you. And then you back it up so far, it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't have gone. And then now you start saying, well, I shouldn't go to GameStops. I shouldn't drive when it snows. And then before you know, you're going to be wearing bubble wrap, living in your, your room, drinking things out of a straw because you're so afraid to live life, right? Because you can't do anything without all this fear coming your way. So you know what you got to do? You got to face your fears. Get back in that car, drive back on the road and say, devil, you ain't going to stop me. And my fears ain't going to stop me, amen? I'm going to keep on living for Jesus. And I'm going to tell that to my kids. Hey, man, we're going to get back in the car. We're going to get back in a van. And you're not going to be afraid. You're going to learn to overcome these things because until we die, we're going to live the way God told us to live. Amen? And so this is where the scripture comes from. It's not my words, by the way. It's his words. Somebody say, that's what he said. Don't be anxious about anything. Thank you. But in every situation. When you get in car accidents, when you lose a job, when bad things happen, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we're supposed to say, God, you know this situation is terrible. You know how much it hurts. But, God, I thank you for being a good God. You always take care of me, and I'm going to trust you. And then look what the Bible says. And the peace of God. Somebody say the peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then look what it says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think about such things. Some of us need to have a brainwash like we take our car to a car wash. We need to get rid of stinking thinking. We need to get rid of the junk in the trunk of our minds. And how do we start thinking and praying? On the Word of God. Where are noble things found? In the Bible. Where are true things found? In the Bible. 
You can look at the terrorism of the world and get so afraid. I'm not going to fly on planes. I'm not going to do this. See, I was out of state. From I was living in New Orleans, and I was in Minneapolis when 9-11 happened. I had to catch a plane back like the next day, so it got canceled, so I went like two days later. I'm talking that airport was empty. When I got on the plane, it was like me and two people, and the stewardess is coming with homemade baked cookies, and she's like, hey, here's some cookies. And you could just tell like we were all just like sketchy, like looking at each other, like, like you going to try to blow this thing up? You, were you crazy? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's, like you just didn't trust anybody. You're like, man, it, what's happening? Literally like two days after that, right? And you know what? You get back on the plane. You eat that cookie and you say, I'm going to keep on flying. I'm not going to let anything stop me. You believe in what God said. God said we're more than conquerors. Memorize that scripture. God said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Memorize that scripture. Memorize the scripture I've been saying today. All things work together for the good of those who love him. We memorize this. We meditate on this. And even when bad things happen, we see God's glory in the midst of it. We see God is taking care of us. So what do we fear the most? Death, right? And you see Christians faith face death all day long with courage, and they conquer it. David was a warrior, and he said, you know what? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff are with me. He said, a thousand may fall at my one side, ten thousand at the other. You ever seen the movie 300? Boom! David's like, I'm going to be in this thing, and if people die, I die. I'm going to trust God and not be afraid of death. Because that's the worst thing that can happen to you is you die, right? That's the worst thing. Guess what? No one's making it out of life alive, so we all better face death with courage. Amen? No reason to be afraid of it. Think about those things. Put your heart on those things and watch what God will do. It will change the way you think, change the way you feel. The next thing is answer to prayer. And you look at John 15, 7. Now, at this point, we've got to ask Jesus and be like, Jesus, are you being serious or are you just messing with us? Look at your neighbor and say, is he messing with us? Because look at what he says. This is Jesus talking. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, I give you the American Express black credit card to my father, and whatever you desire, it shall be done for you. Now, is he messing with us right there? Because that's what he said. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. That means anytime I'm abiding in Christ, his words are abiding in me, I always get answers to prayer. You will always get answers of prayer. So why don't we get answers of prayer? How many of y'all have, like, prayed to win the lottery, prayed to, uh, pray, pray to win it, prayed to win a Lamborghini, prayed to have, you know, nice hair or something, whatever. You know, you're just like, it don't work. Well, you know what? We're not praying according to the word that's abiding in our heart. Because if we hear what Christ is saying to us through his word, we will always get yes and amen through him. Jesus got every answer to the prayers he prayed to the Father. That's what he said, and he demonstrated. He said, I always do what pleases the Father. So what we need to do is get, what on, get it on the agenda of the Father. You know, we need to be able to do what Jesus did. We need to be able to say, Jesus, I got macaroni and cheese right here. I want to go to Fogo de Chao, but, Lord, what is your best plan for my life right now? And he may be like, save that money, honey. You got to eat that macaroni and cheese right now. Now, you can't get all upset at God because you're on a macaroni and cheese budget because that's what you're supposed to be right now. And you may say, Pastor, well, crazier things than that happen. Yes, they do. People get beheaded right now, and God is saying, through the martyrs, my gospel is being preached. Because of them, Christians like me are remembering them all around the world a bracelet with barbed wire. We are preaching. We are living for the Christ that they're dying for. And one day those martyrs get a special place around God's throne. The ones that are killing them think they get 70 virgins, but they're going to burn in hell. And the ones that they're killing are going to have the glory of God placed upon them for all eternity. Amen? You see, they think they're doing their thing for what they're getting as a reward, but it's punishment. And the ones that they're persecuting are actually getting the rewards. That was Jesus. Amen? They thought they were doing good by killing him. They thought they were winning, but Christ won the salvation of the world through that suffering. And 
Hebrews says, look unto Christ in your suffering. Look at this. I memorized the scripture in my times of suffering because we all suffer, right? We all go through hardships. We don't feel our prayers get answers. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, let us lay aside every hindrance and weight and sin that so easily besets us. And let us run our race looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Boom. That's it right there. See, that's how I'm going to live, even if I don't get my answers to prayer, because I'm going to be like, God, you and I still got to get on the same page, and so I'm trusting you, even if I'm not understanding you. I'm trusting you, even though I don't understand you, and I will have peace beyond my own understanding while the world around me may be going crazy. He didn't promise a perfect world. He promised a perfect peace in here. Amen. This is where it comes. Somebody say amen. You can believe it or not. I'm choosing to believe it because he said it. Now look to the next one, power to preach. How many think we should tell our friends about Jesus? Amen. Now look to Acts 2.15, and you're going to see because a lot of us are like, man, Pastor, I don't know if I can preach like you. You're so awesome when you preach. I just love it when you preach. That's how you guys talk about me, right? No, I'm just kidding. Half kid, a little insecurity coming out. Uh, but, you know, when we're like, oh, I don't know how to preach, let me just ask you a question. When you think of like a fisherman, a guy working on the dock, living on the boat, fishing, do you think of a scholar? Do you think of like somebody you want to go get like brain surgery from? No, I knew a lot of fishermen because I used to live in New Orleans, fished all the time. Fishermen are awesome. They're very smart, but they're not really like technical in the sense of like all of these like scholastic things. Most of them don't have a higher education. Are you tracking with me? They get dirty. They like it like that. If you watch any of these shows, the crab shows, they're catching the crabs, the tuna shows. I like to watch these documentaries, right? They're just real gruff dudes. That's Peter, okay? That is Peter. Peter is not some, like, guy living in an ivory tower with a three-piece suit just, like, talking about, like, the excellencies of Jesus. And No, he's not some effeminate dude. He is like a burly man that smells. Are you listening to me? He, like, he burps. He does, he makes man noises, okay? And look at this. When it's time for the first preacher to preach in the book of Acts after Jesus has left heaven, uh, left for heaven, it is Peter, right? Now look at what Peter does. This is what you got to sit and really sit back and really understand what's happening here. So the boom shakalaka power of God comes. Everybody's like wondering what's going on. They're speaking in tongues and all of this, and they think they're drunk. And then now uh, Peter stands up in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, and look at what Peter says here. He says, it says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you today. Everybody say, let Peter explain it. He says, listen carefully what I have to say to you. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. Now look at what he does here. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now watch this. You see, this is where he starts preaching from the prophet Joel. Look at this. All of this right here, he's preaching. This is all him preaching. That is the whole entire quotation, okay? Now watch this. How many of you all know 2,000 years ago they didn't have a smartphone? How many of you guys know they didn't carry around books? Books were only owned by the rich, and they were mostly kept in sacred places, libraries, synagogues. How is this fisherman breaking down verses of the Bible right now? Because he memorized it. Because when he went out fishing, he took that time and he filled his mind with the word of God. See, while other people were just talking about the day's affairs, Peter was memorizing the word of God. And when it came time for the Lord to use him and say, Peter! 
Tell these guys what Joel said. He said, oh, I memorized that. I'm ready to go and started preaching to them. So let's say somebody comes up to you and goes, man, I don't like life. I don't feel like I have a purpose in life. Do you know how to say back to them what Jeremiah was told by God? I know I have created you for my plans and my purposes. Do you know to tell them that they are who God made them to be, that they're a creation of God? Do you see those things in Scripture? Can you give them back to them? You see, Peter could pour out what was inside of him because he had memorized it. When was the last time you memorized a passage of Scripture like Peter? That's how Peter could preach. It wasn't something like just special, like, oh, nobody else can do it. No, he took time to memorize the Word. How many want to prosper in your life? Amen. Let's go to Psalms 1. Look at what happened in Psalms 1. I love this. I memorized it in a little bit different of a version. So I'm going to give it to you uh, for my memory of this. This was the first psalm that I read and the first uh, psalm that I memorized. I love this psalm so much, okay? So uh, let me put it up so you guys can check me. But I'm, I'm going to be off on a few words here, but I love this psalm so much. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like the wind. They're like the chaff which the wind blows away. Hallelujah. Um, keep going. Nor <laughs> like the wind chaff blows away. Uh, the wicked will not stand in the seat of the judgment or sinners in the assemblies of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Man, look at what the Bible says to this person who meditates on the law of God day and night. Somebody's like, man, I don't want to meditate on the law. I want to meditate on like birds and butterflies and unicorns and weird stuff. No, listen, the law of God brings light to your mind. The law of God answers the deepest questions of our soul. Meditate on why God created us, why there's evil in the world, why there's a battle within you. Meditate upon those precepts. And then the Bible says, you are planted like a tree by water. Always getting what it needs. Always having the nutrients. Everybody say nutrients. <laughs> Always getting your nutrients. And you are yielding fruit in season. And your leaves do not wither. You are like an evergreen for Jesus. Now, you have a decision to make, folks, right? As I'm preaching to you, you can either say, this Bible's make-believe on the same level as cat in the hat, or there's some power in the Word of God that I need to tap into. How many are on the power of God side here? I hope you are because I believe it and I've seen it work. Lastly, leadership. How many of you think we should be good leaders in this world? Amen. We don't want to be those who fumble fart. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fumble fart. Yeah, don't be fumble farting around me, okay? Don't be fumble farting around here because you know it smells and it causes a mess, you know what I'm saying? And everybody be looking at us crazy, making the company look dumb and the family look dumb. We need some wise people in the world, don't we? We need some wisdom again. Don't we? We need some wisdom in politics, wisdom in our companies, wisdom in our families. Hello. Wisdom in how we budget money, wisdom in the churches. Look at what Proverbs says. D just don't let this go right by you. Take your time and hear this. Watch. The wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction. Keep reading. Prudence is a fountain of life to the prudent, but folly brings punishment to the fools. Can I hear an amen? How many love Mr. T? I pity the fool. Does anybody remember that? Y'all don't remember no Mr. T, do you? Y'all don't remember Mr. T. Go look up Mr. T. Just put it in your phone. I pity the fool. Just look it up. It will bless you. It will change your life. 
Look at this, verse 23. Don't let it go by you so fast because he says the word heart again. The hearts of the wise make their mouths what? Prudent and their lips promote instruction. So watch this. In the Bible, the heart is synonymous with the mind. Check this out. The heart or the mind of the wise makes their mouths prudent. Jesus said it like this. Whatever's in your heart comes out through your mouth. So where does evil come from when we speak it with our words? It comes from our heart. So somebody's like, oh, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I just cussed you out and said all that. Oh, I know why you cussed me out and said all that, because it came from your heart. That's what you really think about me. It's like what the old timer said. What's in you comes out when you're shaken, stirred, or boiled, right? So you get into a situation, whatever's on the inside of you starts to come out through your mouth and starts to come out to everybody around you. You stub your toe and you're like taking the name of the Lord in vain. That shows that you don't think a lot about him. You need to guard your heart and therefore give wisdom to what you're saying. Guard what's in here. I haven't said, you will not believe, I know some of y'all will not believe this, but I used to curse all the time. I was a cursing man, okay? I have not cursed. And I remember the, the place I was at. I don't remember the actual day, but I know exactly where I was at. I was skateboarding. I kept falling down. I kept getting hurt, and I was a new Christian. And I took my skateboard, started beating it on the ground, cussing, doing the crazy stuff I normally did as a person. But I was a Christian, and literally my friend walked up to me, and he was like, dude, aren't you supposed to be a Christian now? And literally, I got convicted. I have not cussed since then. Now, I have been angry since then. I have said things I have not supposed to have said since then. Like, you know, like, like what's the guy's name from uh, Elf? Um, buddy. And then his curse word is like Nickermoggins. What does he say? What's that little curse word he said? Yeah, cotton-headed ninny-moggin. Yes. I have said words like cotton-headed ninny-moggin. I have said those guys, snicker dude, I have said things out of anger, and God has had to forgive me. But I'm just telling you, I can testify to you I am free from cursing, right? If you don't believe you can be free from cursing, then that means you believe cursing is stronger than you or stronger than God. I mean, like, literally think about it. That word is not stronger than you. That word is not stronger than God. You have power over your words, amen? Amen. I mean, when was the last time you murdered somebody? You've been doing pretty good with that. So watch, watch your words, Amen. And you're like looking at Janae, like, how you been on that? Well, you, you ain't been murdering anybody lately, have you? Get all nervous in here. Now put it all together and you get the goodies of why we should memorize Scripture. We get increased faith. We get freedom from sin. We have a sound mind. We're trusting God in our prayers. The prayers we're praying are getting answered because we're hearing what God is saying. Like God loves it when we pray his word. You know what I'm saying? Like God loves this kind of prayer when I pray it. Lord, make me a humble husband. Like, oh, man, God just like shows up, angels, <laughs> like humility is being sprinkled on me. Like, Goya, are you listening to me? I can feel humility coming down, you know. But like if I get into an argument with my wife and I'm like, Lord, teach her how wrong she is, Jesus. Lord, you don't know how wrong she is. Show her, Jesus. It's like, I look around, I don't feel Jesus, I don't see Jesus in you. Hello, you know what I'm saying? Or, or you just, you'll be praying a prayer like this, Lord, I want to go Christmas shopping, I want to buy this, I want to buy this, I want to buy this. And you don't feel no Holy Spirit, you just feel like you're just praying to the wall. But all of a sudden, you just pray one prayer like this, just one prayer like this, Lord, what should I give away out of this closet? <laughs> like everything comes to your mind. Hello, 
Why do you think that is? Do you ever think about why do you think that is? Because God is like saying, ain't nobody got time for that. Like what you talking about, ain't nobody got time for that. But then when he hears what you're saying according to his word, let's just keep it real. He's like, man, I'm going to come and be in that presence. I'm going to be, I want to be with you. And I know it sounds silly like God would be trivial like that, but no, God honors his word. God is about his word. See, I'm, I'm a parent, and, I, and my kids, I have four kids, and they will all be talking all at one time. I have no idea where they get that talking from. It must be from their mom. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. Lord help me. So I'm hearing them all talking, and it is like so funny because like now we got to have turns to talk. Turns to talk. It's not your turn. And literally then I have to come to Zoe, and Zoe's one years old. And I'm like, get your turn, Zoe. And she's like, and I'm like, you are already a talker. She got the hand motion. She's talking like this. And then it's just amazing because Lucas now, he's just totally talking, and it's just all of that's wonderful. And they can all be talking, all be talking. And it just be like confusion, right? And I have to say like one at a time, what are you talking about? And then sometimes they'll just be like, oh, this purple thing, and I just did this. And I'll just be like, what are you saying? I'm like, Nancy, translate for me. And they're like, oh, they were at this place, and they had a purple candy, and they liked this thing. That's what they're trying to tell you. And I'm like, oh, I get that. And so here's the thing. I believe God understands what we're always saying, but I don't believe God gets excited and gets on what we're saying until he hears what we need to be saying. Because otherwise, we're just talking into the air. And I know God loves us as his kids, but there's not accomplishing anything until we start saying the kind of stuff that he wants us to say. Can I get an amen? So answer to prayers, power to preach, and then prosperity, leadership. These are all good. Write them down. Take a look at them when you have time. Somebody say make it practical. Would you please come forward? Oh, you know what? Let's play that soft music in the back. Let's dim these lights right here. Are you all ready to do some biblical meditation? Now, once again, we're not going to be getting into, like, the crooked peacock or whatever these poses are. We're not going to have to wear yoga pants. Okay, we're not going to have to become vegetarians, you know, and like talk like this for sure. And yeah, I go to yoga and yeah, I do that. No, that's not what we got to do here. Yes, just a little bit lower, mon frere, por favor. There we go. Yes, let it settle in. Yes, you guys hear that soft music. Okay, look at what uh, Psalm 4.4 said. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Now that word selah is actually a word of breath. Take a rest. The poetry of Psalms. Just stop and think about that for a second. Psalms is poetry. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Right? This is poetry. David is saying here, meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still, and take a breath. And hear what God is saying. That's literally what this is teaching us to do. When we think about biblical meditation, what we're hearing from the scriptures is a meditation that's thinking on the things of God. We're using our self-talk in a relaxed state to contemplate the plans we want to do in life, the glory of God or his essence, who we are as people, introspection, and then the way we treat others. When we're in that place of biblical meditation, we are now relating to these people of the Bible who have been doing it ever since there was a Bible. Just for an example, Isaac in Genesis chapter 24, 63, Isaac is 
um, he's waiting for his father's servant to come back with his wife. How many would trust your father to get you a wife? Anybody here? I don't know. Maybe my, I think my dad would do pretty good for me. But back in those days, they trusted another person to get their wife. Look at what it says here in verse 63. Talking about Isaac. He's been waiting for the man to come back with his wife. He went out to the field one evening to meditate. Take in a breath. And think about the plans God had for him. About what his wife would be like, what his family would be like. He's out there in a quiet place meditating. And now then he opens his eyes and he sees camels coming. And then va 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 voom, he sees Rebecca and she gets down from the camel. And it's like literally love at first sight. What does this teach us? You will not get the things you want in life by striving to do them in the flesh, but by resting in the power and plan of Christ. When I was dating every girl that I possibly could find, and I was online dating, and literally it got to the point where I had questionnaires for them, and I'm like, fill this out, fill this out. I was dating all over the country. It was getting wild. It was getting crazy. And then I went into like this international flair. I was dating like a young lady from China, from Colombia. I just, I just said, let me just try what the Lord has to offer. And I've scared the young people. Then I repented. Then I repented. Because, because I was not finding love. I was not finding love. All I was finding is a mess. I made a mess of it all, young ladies. I was bad. Okay, you should have avoided me in that mindset. And so guess what? I start meditating, focusing on God, and I see Nancy standing right in front of me. She was my administrator at the church I worked at. And she was watching me going out on dates with these other girls, feeling like, what, what's he doing? That's my man. Because she had a word from God that I was her man. I'm being honest with you. And the love story behind this is, is I had chased so many girls but got none. And she chased just one, and she won my heart. You know what I'm saying? It's like I was doing it the wrong way, and she was waiting for me the right way. So it's a really precious story. And you see this with Isaac. He's waiting, he's meditating, and God shows up. You go through the Bible, and you'll see more stories like that. You'll see these men who are writing the Psalms. David didn't write all the Psalms. Some of them are called the sons of Korah. They're talking about meditating and taking time out with God. And David, we've already read some of his. He's talking about it. And Joshua, Joshua was the mentee, the student of Moses, talking about it. And so here are uh, some practical ways that I think we should all do it. How many want to do it in church today? Amen? You all want to do this? Have some fun? We're going to do it anyway. Uh, so you can look at me funny as I do it, but we can all do it and have fun. Number one, you got to find a quiet place. Remember what Jesus said? When you go to pray, don't go out on the streets and say, hey, I'm praying, everybody. Look how religious I am. He said, no, go into your closet where no one sees you but God. Do you know that my wife still to this day prays in the closet? Because that's where she found her place with the Lord. We have a big old house, but I'll come in looking for my wife. Where is she? The kids are in bed, can't find her. And I'll just hear her in the closet talking to Jesus. Sad but true story. I used to work in the projects of New Orleans. One of them was the Calio projects where Master B and his guys were from. Joe from the Calio was a great disciple in our church. Said he had nowhere to pray. I said, Joe, I, I asked God, I'm going to pray for you that you'll find a place. He came back to me the next week, and he said, I found the best place. I can pray. No one messes with me there. And I said, where is it? And he said, it's the bathroom. And I go, man, I feel bad for you, Joe. But then, you know, sadly, you know what he told me? He said, because my mom's on drugs, boyfriends are always over, 
my siblings don't respect me. So he literally had to go into the bathroom, shut the door, and say, here I am, Jesus. You know, mothers a lot of times have the, the children with them, and they're right on their hip, right? What can you do? Susanna Wesley, John Wesley's mother, had about 12 kids. You know, back in those days, they didn't have hobbies. They just had kids, you know. It's just make babies, baby. Let's keep going. Let's keep making them. Nothing, no TV, nothing else. We're just going to make babies. And that's fun, making babies. I'm happy you can do that. Any married folks in here? Yeah, making babies, making babies. No, anyways, so you know what she would say? Now, you got to have good kids for this. Otherwise, they may do something crazy. But she would take up her apron. She would say, kids, when you say mama, put up her apron over her head. She's talking to Jesus. Let her be. Now, once again, if you have kids that go wild, you could find your house in a mess, right? But she taught her kids when she put up her apron. That was her secret, secret place between her and the Lord. So you find that place. Sitting comfortably, a closet, a bathroom, an apron over your head. And then you begin to settle your mind. We have about 40,000 thoughts a day. You can think about two thoughts a second. So that's like 120 a minute. Most of our self-talk is negative. So what all scientists now are finding out, and it's not just, uh, you know, yoga scientists or people who believe in this methodology. All scientists, Christians, is that breathing helps calm your mind. So let's all do this breathing exercise. We're going to breathe in for four seconds, hold it for seven, and then breathe out for eight. Are you guys with me? You can just look at me or you can do it with me. Let's try it together. Let's close our eyes and do it. As we begin to breathe, we hear the breath. We begin to let go of the things that we were thinking about as the breath leaves our body. As a Christian, you know what we can say as we breathe in? I'm breathing in your love. And I'm breathing out your grace. You can begin to say things in your heart. God is good all the time. This is not new age. This is what Christians have been doing for years. Calming your spirit, thinking upon God. Now the next thing, number three, is you begin to focus your thoughts on a verse or a passage. So let's take this one, for example, that we've already learned today. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. It's almost like it rhymes, doesn't it? So we're going to focus on this, and how you could come up with one is just reading your Bible first, and then as you're reading it, whatever sticks out to your heart, and you're like, man, that speaks to me, take that into your time of meditation. Just 10, 20, 30 minutes. Start with just five minutes. Start wherever you're at. And then let us now practice the art of memorization. We're going to read it out loud until we memorize it. And so what I'll do is I'll just take things in passages uh, I mean, in, in sections in the passage. And this is what I'll do. If you abide in me, 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 and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. I'll start to memorize it. Sitting in that quiet place. You can't really think two thoughts at once. 
the racing thoughts start to disappear as you're focusing on the word. You think this sounds silly? Imagine Peter fishing, casting out his net. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. What did they do before there was pens and paper? This is how they memorized their scriptures. They put it to their nursery rhymes, to their alphabets. They wrote it on their doors. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. 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 And I shall, and it shall be done for you. And it shall be done for you. And it shall be done for you. If my words, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Isn't that powerful? I mean, we're talking about Jesus' words. You know what the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? This is the creative force of the, of the Bible. This is the creative force of the universe. As a matter of fact, let me just give you that scripture from memory. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by Him and through Him. Nothing was made without Him that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Sometimes I just sit in my, in my room as pressure is coming upon me. I say that last part. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then the last, uh, getting to the second to the last steps here, what we now do as we get it into our memory is we pray the verse and we incorporate it into our worship. So now I start to say, through that scripture we're learning, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Lord, I want to abide in you today. God, I want my life to abide in you. I want my marriage to abide in you. I want my family to abide in you. I want my kids to abide in you. What does that look like? And then I'll just take some breaths and I'll just start thinking, like, what does that look like? Just close your eyes right now. What does it look like to you? Just visualize. Use your imagination. It wasn't only meant for uh, pretty girls or new outfits or winning the lottery. Use your imagination and what comes to your mind. I know I'm doing a lot of talking, but you'll be by yourself in this, right? But uh, what comes to your mind when you hear this? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. What does that speak to you about? Like, what, What's something that comes to your heart? Is it family? Is it your job? You shall ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And then now what we do is at the end, we start to relax and we take in the presence of God by visualizing those things and thanking him for those things. So before we're ever in the future, we're in the present and we're thanking God for what will come. And we say, Lord, I'm trusting you with this. Now you may say, Pastor, what, what if it doesn't happen? Well, I've been peaceful in the, in the meantime, right? Well, Pastor, what if I get bad reports? Well, you'll handle them better this way than stressed out. So you have two options, chicken with its head cut off, saying the sky is falling or being at peace in your soul. Which one do you think works better? Which one do you think is going to give you peace over time? It's trusting God. And then your reactions start to change, right? 
So I have a big anger problem. Like I've struggled with that since I was a little kid. You know, my parents told me I was always angry. I was always yelling. But as I became a Christian, I started memorizing scripture. And one of the first ones I memorized is, you know, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. You know, anger. Be slow. Uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All of these scriptures, right? And uh, as I began to meditate on them, as I felt anger come in my heart when I was, you know, reacting to situations, I began to realize there was a difference between reacting and responding because when I would react, it was like a gut, just a response, like a, um, like a reflex, like poof. But when I started meditating on the word, it, it, it caused a response instead of a reaction, instead of a reflection. Uh, you guys get what I'm saying? And so the word would speak to me and say, Joe, be, be angry not. Don't sin. Be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And I would actually hear that in my heart. Now, in closing, I want you to think about some of the natural benefits that we've already discovered through science and all these different kinds of meditation. And we know that they're using the same principles, but, of course, we as Christians are using the Word of God, and that's why I started off with why we use the Word of God. Because a yogi on the mountain of, Himala of, the mountain of Himalayas over there may be just as peaceful as you and I, but he doesn't have those things that the, the Scriptures give, right? He doesn't have those kinds of things. So you need more than just physical benefits, but there, there are physical benefits. Lower blood pressure, stress, decreases pain, reduces anxiety, depression, builds the immune system. I got a book there for, for you, Relaxation Revolution by a Christian Doctor. But here's something that's really cool. In closing, a, a doctor, Meyer, he did a survey of seminarian students. So guys like me who are in school, I'm getting my doctorate, right, a lot of pressures. He studied them for three years. And he put them in three categories. One, super healthy, mentally doing great, you know. Uh, number two, struggling, having issues. And number three, really depressed or having, you know, uh, issues with anxiety. What he found after the three-year survey was remarkable. It astonished him. In the top tier, they all had different habits and things they did. But there was one thing, literally, they all had in common. They all memorized and meditated on Scripture. All three of the healthy people. Then in the unhealthy, those who really dealt with low self-esteem, and I'm not trying to make people feel bad and say self-help because it's God's help, so I don't want you to get discouraged, but really listen to his survey. He found out that those who struggled with that the most did not have the habit of meditation. Literally, he did not find one that was in that category that made it a regular practice. Now, who is Dr. Meyer? You can look him up online. He has the largest Christian counseling institute in America, and it's in Wheaton. Okay, it's huge. His studies really bring to light what Christians need to hear, hear today. Your mental health depends upon this. Now, you could use something else and just say, I'm going to breathe in, breathe out, you know, palm trees, unicorns, whatever. But then remember, you're missing the spiritual aspect. You're missing what you were created for. You weren't just made it for palm trees. Jesus didn't say abide in palm trees. He said abide in me. You're made for a relationship. And that's why you feel complete in these moments is because you're settling your heart and you're allowing yourself to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit because he brings to us the Father and the Son. Amen? Let's all stand up together. Before we clap and get loud again for Jesus, I want to ask you to take a few moments as we just turn it down just a little bit. Would you just take a few moments in an attitude of prayer? Now you understand that prayer is even a part of meditation, isn't it? What are we doing? We're closing our eyes, quieting our heart, thinking. Now you could add breathing to that to relax. But I want you to be honest with yourself as I'm being honest with me, just in this attitude of prayer before we go. Do you need to practice the art of Scripture memorization and spiritual meditation? 
If you have not been doing that, this is something practically you can make a change and add into your daily schedule. This is something that you can see direct results, direct results into your life. And so if you want to do that, let's ask God for his help to do that by simply saying, Lord, I need you to make me lie down in green pastures. Think about that. Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Listen to this part. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. When my daughter was in that accident, she was, uh, Zoe, the youngest, kept screaming. She would not calm down. I had to literally hold her and gently make her relax until she got in tune with the heartbeat she could feel to my chest, feel the breath upon her body, and hear my words in her ear. God is saying that to us today. I know for some dudes that sounds a little weird, you know, but don't let that weird you out. John, at the Last Supper, laid his head on Jesus' chest, and he heard the heartbeat of the Master. It calmed him. You and I need to hear what God is saying. I have met some of the strongest men you can imagine, right? All different testimonies in this church, backgrounds. But I'm telling you, especially for men, guys, everybody's leaning on you. You need to lean on Jesus. I'm going to give you two images as we get ready to do this. One for the guys, one for the women. Men, the Bible says, in the presence of my enemies, he sets a table before me, anoints my head with oil. That's also Psalms 23. You know, we think about, you know, the 300 and all of these things, the battles, right? David's a warrior. But he says that there was a time, like in his heart, that God would put a table before him in the presence of his enemies. And what that meant was, if you've ever been to like medieval times or seen these kind of things where people are watching the fights below, what what he was saying is, there are times when God fights my battle for me and he says, you take a seat here, I got you. And men, you need to know that today. God's got your back. Take a seat at the table, rest, and let him give you strength. You will be a much stronger man for it. For ladies, and all of these can be for either gender, but just, you know, speaking to uh, what comes more naturally. To ladies, the Bible says that he, like a mother hen, puts his wings over us and protects us as if we were his little, little chickadees, whatever. And so, mothers, I want you to think right now about you just spreading out your your hands over your children with the love of God, protecting their mind, protecting uh, what they're getting at school, protecting their relationships, bad influences. I want you to believe with me that you are going to spread your arms of love over your family right now. And I want us all to declare today that we are going to do this and do it well. Because that's how you go to war. You don't go to war not seeing the victory. you got to see the victory first. That's how you run a marathon. You don't think of yourself at the two-mile mark. You think of yourself at the 24-mile mark. We're going to finish our race. Amen. A band, uh, or rather altar workers, would you come please? Let's just say a prayer. I know it's a little quiet in here. But um, we're going to just end in this spirit because I think God is with us in this, in this moment. So, Lord, we thank you that you've taught us so much. You've given us a lot to think about. You've really stretched our imaginations. I pray now, God, that we put it into practice, that for those of us it feels weird, that, Lord, we'll see the truth in it and uh, not be turned off by bad examples or things that um, are not of you. And then, Lord, those of us who have been doing this and experiencing it, I pray we just really find this as our secret place, that 
that time alone every day. And, uh, Lord, that we hear your voice and learn to trust you and learn to follow you. And, uh, Lord, when tragedy comes, when things come our way that we're not ready for, like that car accident, Lord, I know that what we've been building in our spirits will be sufficient. Because, Lord, it's not in the tragedy that I need to find my spirituality. It's I come to the tragedy with my spirituality. When I saw Nancy screaming out as her, her leg was broken, her, her ankle, Lord, she was praying. You were bringing her peace. Even the firefighters and the policemen said that our children were so well behaved. They, they came in such agreement because, Lord, they were made to go through those situations because you made us to be conquerors. It's in your name we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you guys for coming today. We love you. We're going to keep on this cool meditation music. If you want to come here and sit Indian style, you're more than welcome to do that. Otherwise, slap your neighbor high five and say abide. Amen. Keep it playing, DJ. Come up for prayer if you need any or if you just want to shake a, a person's hand and get to know somebody in the church. We're always up here to get to know you and your friends. Have a great week. A little bit louder, mon frere. Come on, let me see you, Michael. I see.